Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming. Uh, we're going to get you out of here. I know I got, I guess I got stuff going on at your house tonight, maybe tomorrow, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure some of you are thinking of it, and I am too, and all those things. You know, it's easy for us to hear that story and to kind of imagine, you know, just like anybody ever been in a Christmas pageant? Anybody ever worn a sheet or a bathrobe? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, oh, you can be uh, you know, somebody from Bible times. Here's a sheet. Like, wear this bathrobe. Um, but it's, it's easy for it to become routine and to not feel that wonder, to not sense what God really wants to tell us. Um, and so I wanted to uh, just, this, this is kind of not uncommon. What you're going to see here, you may have seen this before, just a minute of what sometimes happens when we have Christmas pageants. Let's watch this. Yes, I love it. The sheep and Mary fighting over baby Jesus. So, <laughs> so here's the thing, though, with, with this book. And you probably, even if, like, let's just say this. You could be here and you may just think this is all a little bit like, yeah, this is great. It's peace on earth and it's time to be kind of nice to each other, give gifts. And, but in your own heart and in your own daily life, you may be like, I don't know, though. I'm not sure if this means that much to me. And if the Bible was like any other book, if the stories in it were like any other book, it would be the kind of thing that you would say, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that story. Most of us could tell the story of Christmas with all of the different characters and kind of get it pretty close to right. But the thing is that God wants to do something in us. The Bible is meant to be something that transforms us. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit today, hovering over our hearts, even in the short 20 minutes or so, we're going to hang out in God's word. Let's pray. And, and you can pray with your eyes open. You can pray as you're sitting there. You can say a simple prayer that is just like, Lord, do something in me this year. Let the ink not be dry. Let it be as if it was just written for me. Let me hear your voice from my heart because it's in the telling and the retelling and the listening and remembering that the beautiful and miraculous can happen. But we begin with the ordinary. We begin with a group of people in the same old place doing the same old thing with the same darkness covering their lives. You know the story, but let's read the first verse. Luke 2, 8 to be up here. There it is. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. So I want you to visualize it. 
And uh, we got a good start there with, uh, I think it's called The Greatest Story Ever Told, um, that one that Emily read. It's a beautiful book. If you don't have that one for your kids, get it. It's an awesome telling of the gospel, the whole scripture. But let's watch something we maybe have seen recently, The Chosen. Um, just a little clip to kind of set the stage. Watch this. <laughs> yes, well, next time I would wipe my hands with his robe. He would faint. <laughs> A Pharisee is so cheap. When he writes his will, he names himself as the heir. <laughs> I think he still doesn't get much. No. <laughs> Uh, finally, he's back! Hello, Simon. <coughs> Stay with the sheep. He is useless. Why do you keep him around? He's a good boy. Uh, yeah. You want some dinner? Right. Aaron made dinner tonight, so nothing is cooked. Oh, yes. <laughs> the food is fine. It's my grandmother's recipe, so leave it alone. Yeah, then that is why your grandfather left. <laughs> Again and again. Take whatever they want. Oh, I wish that woman wouldn't have left the well. Oh, she was she was very, very beautiful. Very pretty, very pretty. Mm. Very Can I have my dinner now? Not with us. No. Your plate is over there. After what happened this morning, you sleep with the sheep tonight. And pay attention this time. And watch out for wolves. Watch out for the Pharisee. He might come after you. Mm -hmm. A Roman took another sheep yesterday. Simon, they're talking about the Romans again. But they cooked it right in front of me. You're, you're lucky. You're lucky enough? you're not part of this conversation with Romans again and again. Expect them to pay. Good pay. They take, they take whatever they want. Let's talk about something else. To think about them because they're not, usually we think of the Christmas story and we think of the shepherds and they're just kind of standing there with their bathrobes and their sheets, waiting, waiting for the angel to come. But they were, they were guys, they were just hanging out. A lot of times scripture says they probably were the youngest in the family. So no, that one had several older guys, but it was an awful job. In fact, the religious leaders, you hear them kind of vamping a little bit about the Pharisees. The Pharisees said that the shepherds were sinners unclean, doing the worst job. You may think, I don't have anything in common with shepherds. I live in the year 2022. Uh, we don't have to do that kind of thing anymore. But you do have some things in common with the shepherds. And as you listen to the stories of scripture, you ask those questions. Lord, what is happening here? What do you want to say to me? Do you identify with loneliness? brokenness, trying to prove to others that you matter, wondering if anybody sees you. The shepherds were not the church-going type. You may be like, well, I am. I'm not. I'm not the church-going type, and I'm a pastor. And what I mean by that is I don't like religion. I don't like striving to get God to notice me. So they weren't that way at all. They weren't even allowed to go to the temple. They were considered so unclean, they had to stay home, stay out in the field, get in the dark. And then even there, you see, they've got their own hierarchy. They've got the younger guy. And if you if, encourage you to watch it, it's just the original Christmas uh, chosen story, the one that they started the whole thing a few years ago. 
But you see, he is like lower than the low. He's, he's even on their ladder. He's reached the bottom. They're like, get out. You got to stay with the, the sheep in the field. So maybe they pretend like you and me. We're good. I got it all together. But if you were to catch one of them by themselves, alone with their thoughts and their own heart, how they truly thought of themselves, they would hear a question. And it's a question that has been reverberating around the spiritual realm since creation. Right after Adam and Eve sinned, a question came from God. And this question is bouncing around in their hearts and hopefully in yours as well. And the question is this, where are you? God asked that in the garden. God asked that of us. Where are you? Not physically. Where are you spiritually? Where are you emotionally? And I think the shepherds would say, in the field and in the dark. In the field and in the dark. Isaiah spoke about this 3,000 years ago. A people walking and living in a land of darkness. Well, what does that mean? Each of us has our own field, our own corner of the dark canvas that we inhabit. You may think things like this. In the field, I'm just trying to do my job. Make a little money, go home, make it to the next day. In the dark, I feel so alone and worthless. In the field, I'm just so angry at everyone, mostly myself. In the dark, our marriage is in pieces. In the field, I've tried to stop. I really have, but I keep coming back to it. Why does it have such a hold on me? In the dark, do you even exist? Are you even out there? In the field, oh, I've done way too much to be loved by him. I'm so far from him. In the dark, I'm not sure it's even worth it anymore. In the field, is this it? Is this all there is? Why can't I hear the voice of God? So what does God do with us in that place? The shepherds, we're in the field. We're in the dark. Where are you in the field in the dark? Does God shame us? Does he scold us? Does he say, see, you got yourself there. You don't deserve anything. Is that what he does? Let's look at the next verse, verse nine. Here's what God does with our darkness. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. The angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the city of David, a savior was born for you. He, who is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to a people he favors. So in the field and in the dark, let's watch what happens.
in the dark, in the field. I love that stillness and silence after the light goes out. Everybody just take a breath. They move from joking around, getting by, coping, doing their thing, not expecting anything to change, always looked on, down on, never allowed to go to the temple, unclean, unworthy, to suddenly a word from heaven, let there be light. Let there be light. Why are they afraid? And one of the things they say in scripture, if, you, if you've heard anything about the angels in the scripture, is that they're huge. Even the, the illustration earlier showed that, that they, people were terrified. They thought they were going to die. But there's, I think there's another kind of fear, a fear that says, what if I'm wrong about life up until now? We've grown accustomed to the dark. We've learned how to move around in the dark. We know how to survive and how to get by. Change can be frightening. So back to why this story and why it's not to be another story where you go, yeah, I know, I've heard it. I could tell it back to you. So the biblical story of the shepherds receiving the message from heaven, the first group to hear is there not just to tell you historically what happened. It is historical. It did happen. But it's not just there to give you information. It is there to tell you what can happen. What can happen in your life. It's, a, it's here to give you a picture of what God wants to do in you. Not only what he wants to do, but how he will do it. What does he want to do? He desires to be with us. Light in the Bible represents the presence of God, the illuminating presence of God, a flaming torch passing between the sacrifice that Abraham offers, the burning bush for Moses, the pillar of fire for the Exodus and those who were wandering in the wilderness, the Psalm speaking of the light of his presence, the gospel of John, the light shines in the darkness. Paul is thrown from his horse and what does he see? A blinding light. John in Revelation, he sees a vision of heaven and there is a light. There's no need for light because God is the light. I've always heard that passage and I've been like, man, it's gonna be so hard to see in heaven because you know, we'll always be looking to Jesus, he'll be this light. No, it's saying God wants to dwell with us. God's presence dwelling with us. It even goes back to the beginning of the world. Yes, God created the sun and the moon and the stars. But the purpose of saying that is not only to tell you that he did that, but also to say that God is here. God was present. God is revealed in light. So what can light do? What can light do to those who are in darkness in the field and in darkness? Light reveals things that have been hidden. Firelight gives warmth. Sunlight causes things dormant and frozen to thaw and sprout into light. Life seeks out and finds those lost in the dark. Light in a symbolic sense can give perspective and understanding. We don't decorate our houses or Christmas trees with darkness. We string lights. But I would say the most important thing about light is this. Darkness can't produce it. Darkness can't just decide I'm gonna be light. It's probably one of the most important messages of the gospel and the Christmas story is that in our own condition, the shepherds where they were, the rest of humanity where we were, we cannot change ourselves. Somebody's got to turn it on. Somebody's got to flip the switch, light the lamp, or in God's case, speak. Speak. This is a search and rescue mission. The light is shining in the darkest corners of humanity. And when it does happen, everything that you thought you knew or understood before is changed in an instant, or you can stay put. 
you can ignore it. And so this year, if you're considering maybe once again, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but it just feels cold. And you're thinking, okay, new year, I want to I wanna lean in. Or maybe you've not been to church in a long time. And you're like, maybe I'll give this a try. Or maybe I'll ignore it. Because it's not very popular to follow Jesus these days, is it? No, the world doesn't like it. The world will shame you for it. Imagine these guys trying to tell their families what had happened. They have a choice right here. What can they do? They can go and say, hey, here's what happened. Imagine them going to their family members, saying, what? That's crazy. What are you talking about? Told you not to eat the grass in the field. But even amidst the wild and wonderful of the sky, lit up with thousands of angels. And who wouldn't want that? I've asked for that. Lord, I would love to see. What does God give them that is the sign? Go and in the stable, you will see another huge lit up crazy light show with thousands of voices. No, what is it? It's a baby. It's a baby in a trough, in a feed trough, something very common and ordinary. Let's read the last few verses. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart, meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, which was just as they had been told. So I imagine a shepherd conversation after this event. A savior, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord, but not in a temple, not in a palace, because we wouldn't be allowed there anyway, a stable, a manger wrapped just like we wrap our babies, strips of cloth, the clothes of the poor. Yeah, that's us. We can do that. We can, we can do that. Maybe we look for him. A conversation, maybe a little bit of debate, but eventually... Let's go. Let's go. This year, as you consider Christ, may you be like the shepherds, straight to Bethlehem, not anywhere else. They have nothing to lose and have already lived at a pretty low place that their faith is willing to take a risk. There's no halo over the stable. Even though our manger scenes sometimes have this like, oh, there's no halo. They walk into Bethlehem and you know what they probably had to do? a little bit of knocking and searching. Hey, is there a baby anywhere? Imagine some guy at his door and he's like, two doors down, I heard her. That's, this is a small village. They would have known if there's somebody in town, they knock on a couple of other houses many times in this, this time and age. The, the stable was actually in the house. If you look at ancient archaeological digs, a house of that time had a lower floor. You would open the door and it's like, hey, stable. Here's all the animals. They brought them inside because that was money. And so they wanted to keep them inside. And then you would go to the upper part of the house. And that was where the main family lived. And so I imagine these guys knocking on the door, opening the door. Some cows are like, nobody there. Close that door, open another one, check it out. There's a donkey. Nope. Open another one. It's like, there he is. It's him. It's him. A small light. 
Not a thousand angels, like a candle, just flickering. Not unbearable to look at, no singing, but it's definitely him. They said a baby in a feed trough. I mean, we've never seen that. Here it is, wrapped tightly in cloth. Can this be true? This common, simple sign. You know, we want a well-lit Broadway play when it comes to following God, don't we? Give me LED lights, give me high wattage, give me sound effects, give me smoke. Just write, can you just write on the wall, God? Chad, do this. Then then I'll follow. But what does God give us? A baby in a trough. Small, quiet, God with us in the field and in the dark. Let's watch it unfold for these shepherds. shall call his name Emmanuel.
Almost too good to be true, isn't it? And simple. And a part of you that says, no. Really? That's for me? That story is for me? People walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You ever wondered what their lives were like after this? I'll have the worship team come on up. I like to believe, and if you are in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, you can see it. You can stand on a hill in Jerusalem and look over and see the fields where the shepherds probably were. A lot of scholars believe that these shepherds cared for the temple flocks, meaning the, the lambs that would be sacrificed in the temple. Irony a little bit there, right? I like to believe that 30 years later, so imagine that you sit on this for 30 years. What you saw in that stable, is that real? Is that real? 30 years later, one of them there for Passover gazes upon the one he saw swaddled in the manger, humble and in the dirt, now humbled in an even lower place, a cross. Their story is supposed to be our story. What happened to them is supposed to happen to us. It's a reminder that he comes to the lowly, to the broken, to those weighed down by their sin, not deserving it in the field, in the dark. He comes anyway and says, let there be light. And your only job is to respond, <laughs> to say, let's go. Let's pursue him with everything we've got. I'll just say this, you have nothing to lose. Maybe a little pride, maybe your reputation, but how about the weight of heaviness of the sin on your life to have that removed by him? That is why he came. I'm gonna pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the simplicity of the story. And God, it is not just to say, yep, that's what happened. So write it down. Make sure you remember, Lord, it's, it's supposed to change us, to transform us. And so God, I ask by your spirit this year, Lord, with everything that's happening in this room uh, and extended family and things on our minds and our hearts, God, we ask, we pray, let there be light. Let there be light. Lord, let your spirit come and break chains, wash away hurt, restore, renew, Lord, call us to yourself. God, give us understanding, Lord, let light shine in the dark and in places where we are confused or have questions, would you answer us? We bless you, Lord. We thank you for that holy night. Lord, we thank you that the gift came silently. May we stand in awe of who you are. Amen.